The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. We've spent these last weeks, if you've been with us, you've seen, we've, we've spotlighted the Christmas story. We've looked through, and we've used, actually, the classic Charlie Brown Christmas movie to kind of illustrate some of the truths that we've pulled out of the scriptures. And again today, uh, as we look back into the scriptures, we are going to use the, the Charlie Brown Christmas story to do that very thing. Now, I'm not sure how familiar you are with that, but there's one of the funniest exchanges that takes place in the classic Christmas movie, the Charlie Brown Christmas. And that classic interchange is between Charlie Brown and Lucy. Man, Charlie's struggling with Christmas. He's having a hard time. He doesn't understand the meaning of Christmas. He's struggling with a whole host of things. And Lucy, always the one willing to help Charlie, uh, wants to get to the root of his issue, wants to help him get to the root of his problem. And this is this funny exchange that takes place at, uh, at right in the middle of the movie of Charlie Brown Christmas. So let's just take a moment and check out this short clip. I think we better pinpoint your fears. If we can find out what you're afraid of, we can label it. Are you afraid of responsibility? If you are, then you have hypengeophobia. I don't think that's quite it. How about cats? If you're afraid of cats, you have aleurophasia. Well, sort of, but I'm not sure. Are you afraid of staircases? If you are, then you have climacophobia. Maybe you have thalassophobia. This is fear of the ocean. Or jephorobia, which is the fear of crossing bridges. Or maybe you have pantophobia. Do you think you have pantophobia? What's pantophobia? The fear of everything. We all have fears, right? We all have fears. And maybe today, maybe on this Christmas day, you've come and you're here and, you know, you feel the press and the push of some anxiety and some fear in your life as well. And maybe you feel, maybe you struggle with some of the things that Charlie Brown struggles with. And we all have these fears. I know it's funny to listen to and to look at, but maybe in a very real sense, I mean, right now, with all of the things going on and in and around your life, you feel encircled by uncertainty. Maybe there's relationships that are ruptured that kind of bubble to the surface at this time of year. Maybe there's a struggle in your home. There's finances. Perhaps even you're just in fear of a lot of things that are coming down the road. But this is what we experience a lot of times in this time of the year. So we see the Christmas story, and, and Charlie Brown paints that kind of picture for us. And, you know, the the hard part is that a lot of these fears, they're legitimate. A lot of these fears are real, very real in your life, and they're legitimate. And we struggle with all of these kinds of things. And and we come to Christmas 2016, and we bring with us the weight of some of these things. We bring with us the challenges and the difficulties that we're sitting with right now. And maybe you're afraid this morning of the difficulty that's coming down the road. Perhaps there's this financial situation looming in your life with Christmas here and this is coming. Maybe you know January's rolling around, the bills are gonna come back around and you're gonna struggle with that. Maybe this time of year, your, your home is struggling. There's a broken relationship in your home. But truth be told, Christmas just sometimes is and feels like a distraction. And we come to this with difficulty, we come to this with struggle, and we try to mask it or hide it or put it aside, but yet all of these realities, all of these fears exist in our life. 
you know, we've spotlighted now the Christmas story over these last weeks. And we've, we've looked at and we've been seeing in the scriptures how this one who's come, this Jesus, this Savior, we've seen him now as the one who rules over us. The scriptures have presented him as the one who shepherds us, as the one who sets our security and establishes our peace. And today, as we look back into the scriptures together, we're going to see this one, this Jesus, as the one who eliminates all of our fears. As we look back into the scriptures today, we'll see that in Luke chapter 2 momentarily, as the one who eliminates all of our fears. Hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to it in just a little bit. This is the story of Christmas. And, and we've arrived at Christmas just like this. Now, as we look at the scriptures today, man, I, I love the Christmas story. I love the Christmas story because, I mean, don't you? What, what's not to love about the Christmas story? There's, there's angels and there's, there's a baby and there's, there's fluffy sheep and there's shepherds and there's a busy town and bright lights. But I wonder, I wonder if we've misunderstood the story. I mean, what I mean to say is I wonder if we've misunderstood the bold storyline of God. The real impact. It's real outcome. Because we come barreling into the Christmas season, I mean, with the bright lights, busy towns, and busy people, and bad Santas, struggling with all of the, the pull, and the relationships, and the family events, and the, the gifts, and all of these things, and the inflatable nativity scenes, all of this we struggle with, all the while. Nothing has changed. I mean, we're still anxious. We're still in fear. We still struggle. All the while, we see that none of those things have changed for us. And, and maybe, maybe this morning you've come and, and you're, you're struggling with your home and you're struggling with those kinds of things. In the Christmas story, we will see that Jesus relieves us of that. And in the Christmas story, we, we, we look at how it is that Jesus has come this baby that's born has been born for us. Now, if we look together in Luke chapter 2, we'll, we'll get there in just a moment. But the Christmas story is a story of hope. It's a story of rescue. The baby born for us is the rescue that God has sent us. That's the story of Christmas. And we're celebrating this morning. We're celebrating this time in in, in history where, where God has, has broken into history. God has delivered us this hope. He's delivered us this gift. And with all of the distractions and all of the things going on in your life and all of the pull and the pressure and the fears that maybe encircle you or encompass you today, underlying all of that, sometimes we've missed the most significant point of Christmas. This child, this baby, in this baby, God has done something. God has done something unique. God has done something um, astounding. He has done something for us. He's done something that changes everything. And that's where we get to the Christmas story, in what God has done. And so in all of what we've heard today, in all of, in all of what's going on around us and, and what we're going through right now, inevitably, a question arises. Inevitably, out of this, a question comes to mind. And what, what does celebrating this birth what does celebrating Jesus, what does celebrating this event, what does that do for my life? Just understanding this celebration, recognizing who he is, what does that do? How does that impact my life? 
See, what if the Christmas story, what if the story that Christmas tells us is that Christ swallows up that fear? See, what if the story of Christmas is that we no longer have to be afraid? What if that's the story of Christmas? So we approach with, with that kind of mindset. And, you know, th- this, is, this is the clear message because the beautiful and simple message of the story of Christmas is that the birth of Jesus is the rescue from fear. This is the simple and clear message of the scriptures. And we struggle with recognizing that. We struggle with it because with all of the distractions in life, with all of the challenges that we have, with all of the other things that compete for our time, compete for our attention, compete for our affection. And we struggle in recognizing that this gift, this one that we celebrate, this baby that has been given to us, is to help us recognize and understand that this rescue from God has now been made real in our lives. We see that in Luke chapter 2, where we're getting to this morning. The birth of Jesus is the rescue from fear. I mean, in Christmas... We have been given this resource. In Christmas, we've been given a resource, a perpetual, powerful, prevailing, and potent resource. For those listening this morning, yes, that was all peas, and that was for Pastor Matt that we did that. Um, but let me ask you a question. Let, let, why don't we start here? Let me ask you this particular question. If I could poll the audience on Christmas Day, what would you say is the most popular item to place on top of a Christmas tree? I mean, I'll give you two choices. What would you say is the most popular item? Is it a star or is it an angel? All right, who are the star people? Who says star? Okay, all right, who says angel? Who says angel is the most popular item? Well, if you've chosen angel, if you pick that one, you win. Congratulations. You see, the story of Christmas is the angels play this prominent role weaving in and out of the story of Christmas. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the story of Christmas from the perspective of the angel. And in Luke chapter 2, perhaps gives us one of the most um, noticeable, one of the most celebrated appearances of these holy messengers in Luke chapter 2. So if you would find your way there, meet me in Luke chapter 2 this morning. As you're, as you're going through that, as you're looking for that, let me, let me just make a couple of comments. Luke is the third book of the New Testament. He's one of the four gospels. So it's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we're going to be in chapter 2. Luke is a meticulous historian. Luke writes a reliable, credible historical account on the life of Jesus. He conducted interviews. He did diligent work to provide a reliable historical account on the life of Jesus. And this is that gospel. This is what the gospels are, the life of Christ. And in Luke chapter 2, already he's said a lot of things. In Luke chapter 1, he's told us about this through via the, the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke has written that, you know, there's already been an important baby, an important birth that took place, the birth of John the Baptist. He's also written that the angel Gabriel has been very busy. The angel Gabriel has has visited this young virgin teenage girl in this city of Nazareth named Mary. And the angel has delivered to her a message from God. The message is that she's going to bring forth the long-awaited, the long-hoped-for, the long-prayed-for Savior of the world. That baby, Mary's going to bring that baby forth into the world. So let's pick up the story then in Luke chapter 2. 
we're going to do this morning is I'm going to read the first 14 verses. I mean, it's Christmas, so why don't we, let's just read the Christmas story, verses 1 through 14. We're going to read that together, and then we're going to track back in there, and we're going to pull out, spend time in only two verses this morning, verses 10 and 11. But if you would, just, let's just have our eyes on the Bible, and we'll read chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, the Christmas story. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region where the shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace among those with whom he is pleased. So God begins to push back the curtains, if you will, there in Luke chapter 2. And, and right in the middle, the, those verses 8 through 14, Luke, God begins to pull back the curtains and give us this picture, this view of, of the angelic host and, and what they're doing at the time. And in this, in this Christmas story, we see some of the most significant work that's being done. In this Christmas, we see God's willingness to step down onto earth, to become what we are. We see God's willingness to step down onto earth in the middle of our brokenness, in the midst of our fear, and become what you and I are. We see God condescend, lower himself, to become what you and I are. Now, this in and of itself is a monumental, life-changing, life-altering miracle that God would do this. Step into this world. I mean, no other faith system, no other religion, no other man-made God or false God would do this, would be broken for us, would take fear from us. And we see God do this in Christmas, in this baby. The great St. Augustine, the early church father, said, the gold has now become grass. God has now become flesh. This is what we see happening in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. So, so let's look at verse 10. Now let's drop our eyes down into verse 10, and let's, let's see what the angel now begins to declare, what the work of the angels are in declaring this great message. Because here in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, Luke begins to give us the glorious and the humble, the simple and the splendid, the beautiful and the ugly arrival of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And tucked away in that, tucked away in that message is this amazing declaration by the angel. 
where the angel is going to give us something supremely, astoundingly comforting. Look with me at his first words there in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel says, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. But notice with me, he says, Fear not. Those first words, those first words of the angel are not only very, very significant, but they're very appropriate. I mean, if you track through the Christmas story, you see that this is, this is prevalent throughout the story. Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist from Luke chapter 1. The angel appears to Zacharias. Zacharias is praying in the temple, praying for the nation of Israel. And seemingly out of nowhere, the angel materializes and says, do not be afraid, and delivers the good news. Mary is, is, is in the town of, off in Nazareth, and the angel seemingly out of nowhere appears before Mary, and the angel Gabriel says to her, do not be afraid, and then delivers to her some good news. The shepherds are, are minding their own business on the foothills of, of Bethlehem, outside of Bethlehem, and they're doing whatever it is that shepherds do, and the angel appears seemingly out of nowhere, says do not be afraid, and delivers some great news. I mean, I hope you're seeing a pattern here angelic appearance, fear not, some really good news. This is woven through the Christmas story. So we see that happening, and we, we look and say, okay, well, well, why is it that they're being afraid? Well, first, well, what's the news they're talking about? Because in each one of those cases, some good news has been delivered. What's the news that they're talking about? Because to be honest with you, perhaps there's, there's a lot of people, maybe they don't really know what that news is. What's the good news that they're talking about? Because this good news, spoiler alert, it's the baby. I mean, that's this baby, this one who's born to you, this one who was born and now was in the feeding trough for animals in the stable. That baby, that one, that's the good news. And now hold on to that thought because we're going to circle back around to that in a few minutes. But we see this baby, this one, is the good news there in verse 10. Now, here's the great miracle. That, that, that God would come as a baby. That God would, would condescend, would lower himself to become what we are and would show up on this planet in all of the fear, in all of the brokenness, in all of the angst, and in all of the uh, oppression. He would show up to be broken for us, to take fear from us, to walk through all of that. But just as big a miracle, I mean, that's as monumental as that is, that God has come to us. It's just as big a miracle that God has come for us. Not only to us, but for us. And that takes us to verse 11. So check out verse 11. Next, there in the text. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you see that? Unto you is born this day. I mean, that is, that is a significant emphasis there in the text. Unto you is born this day. Not, not to angels, not to heroes, not to a privileged few, but to you is born this day. And this is the part of Christmas that perhaps we just kind of gloss over sometimes or walk past in all of our festivities and in all the things we're enjoying. We walk past this, that this one who's come, this baby who's come to suffer, to struggle, to die, and then to be raised has come for you. And this is not the first time we've seen this in the scriptures. I mean, the long-predicted, the long-awaited baby. 700 years, seven centuries before this historical occurrence, the great prophet, the prophet Isaiah, says something strikingly similar 
In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, For to us a child is given. To us a son is born. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That's Jesus. That's this baby that we celebrate. So then seven centuries later, inspired once again by the Holy Spirit, Luke writes, for unto you is born this day. I mean, that is an incredible emphasis in the text that we need to grab hold of this Christmas because that, my friends, changes everything. It's one thing that God has come to you, an amazing miracle. It's just as much a miracle that God has come for you. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. We see that there. And in part, we rejoice. In part, we rejoice because something has been done for us. That's part of why we rejoice so much. And we make such a big deal about the birth of this baby. Because it's the Savior. Because he will be born to die. And that death results in his resurrection. And that's been done for you as well. And we'll get there. We'll get to that celebration in just a few moments. But notice with me. The second part of that verse, too. Because there's, there's a lot that we can pull out of the verse this morning, but I pray that we would see this verse with fresh eyes today. Because, you know, Luke chapter 2, verse 11, you see everywhere now. It's on, it's on ornaments, and it's on bumper stickers, and it's on billboards. It's, it's all over the place. But let's look at this with fresh eyes. The first part is unto you. The second part is this. Well, who is this baby? Because you know, verse 10 gives us, don't be afraid because there's some good news, and this is the good news. And verse 11 is telling us who this good news is. Because Luke does something unique in verse 11. Luke does something in verse 11 that you find nowhere else in the New Testament. There's an emphasis there that the title of Jesus is three times in the same verse. And you find that nowhere else in the New Testament. Savior, Christ, and Lord. This is the baby. This is the gift. This is why Christmas matters, because this is why you should not have fear, because it is this Lord, it is this Christ, it is this Savior. And very clearly in the text, Savior is just that, the deliverer, the one who delivers us. And Christ is Christos. It is the anointed one, the anointed one to deliver us. And Lord, that's, that's Kyrios, that is the Lord, the master, the ruler. It is this one whom God has sent from heaven above to be born of a woman, to be, to be born in that feeding trough that day, that will be the hope of mankind. That will be the savior of the world. It is that one. He is Lord, savior, savior, Lord, and Christ. And that's the emphasis. We see this emphasis there in that verse that we need to recognize. We need to see that because this is why Christmas matters. This is why you should fear not, because it is this one, this Jesus, who not only takes our fear from us, but he takes our fear from us because he recognizes it, he identifies with it, but also he's come to overcome it. And we're going to see this in the text as we look through it. So how does this, I mean, so, so hone in with me if you would. How does this baby impact my life? I mean, this is, this is what we want to know. This is what we want to get to. How, how does this baby, how does this birth, this celebration, how does that change anything about my life? How does that impact my life? Jesus can take your fear because he's no stranger to it and because he walks with you through it. 
And we see that Jesus is no stranger to our fear. He has become us. He has become one of us. Sent from God, born as a baby, God has lowered himself to become what we are. Jesus can take away your fear because he recognizes it. Because he understands it. Because he's, he's walked through it with us. He has been through it with us. Jesus can take away our fear because he has recognized it. And not only that, but if you look to the second part of that, Jesus can take away our fear, number two, because he walks with it in us, with us. He walks through that fear, walks with that fear with us. While he was here on this earth, you know he recognized those fears. He stood eyeball to eyeball and saw the fear in people's hearts and the struggle that he identified with. And he is no stranger to those things. He is no stranger to struggle. He is no stranger to difficulty. He is no stranger to seeing fear on the faces and on the hearts of man. Jesus can take away that fear because he's no stranger to it. And he walks with us through it. So we see him present, coming as that baby that does that. And you know, there's, there's a lot of people, and maybe some here today, that don't realize that Jesus recognizes our plight. And, and maybe there's some of us here today that, man, w- whatever it is we're walking through, the, the difficulty, maybe you're in pain and you see, no, you're in physical pain and there's no way, you see no resolution to that. You don't know where it's going and you're afraid. That broken home, that broken relationship, that maybe you see that and you're in fear because you don't know the outcome. And there are people who feel that and said, you know what, it is hopeless. There is no hope in this situation. I mean, I've heard Christians say, it's hopeless. And my friends, that is a lie. It is not true. Because there's Jesus, there's hope. There's always Jesus, so there's always hope. So we look at this scenario, and we look at our life, and we, we look at the scriptures, and say, okay, well, this is what Christmas brings us. It brings us this gift of hope that's found in this child, in this Jesus. That's found in this Savior who is Lord and who is Christ and who has not only come for us, but has come to us. This is why we can have confidence in the scriptures and this is why we cannot be afraid. Because Jesus takes our fear from us because he recognizes it and he walks with us through it. And we emphasize that point because this is, this is part of the Christmas story that sometimes we just miss. We miss in the midst of of good things, in the midst of other things, but we miss this emphatic declaration that we see here in the scriptures. The great lesson of Christmas is that God comes to humanity. The great lesson of Christmas is that God comes to humanity and he's done that for us and he meets us eyeball to eyeball. His love sees us and lines up with us. His love looks at us straight in the face in Christmas, in the celebration of this baby. I mean, that's in part why we celebrate, because we've recognized that God has done this, and he's done this for us. Look with me then back at Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And when the angel spoke, Mary listened. When the angel spoke, when the heavens spoke, the shepherds listened. And now that God speaks through his son Jesus, will you listen? See, Mary heard it. Zacharias, Joseph, the shepherds, they all heard it. And now you've heard it. Fear not. Fear not because this Christ, this one who is both Savior and Lord, has come. He's come to you and he's come for you. 
Fear not. Now, they've heard that in the scriptures, and we've heard that today, and we look with fresh eyes on this, and this is why Christmas matters, because the Savior has come for us. This is why Christmas changes everything, because of this good news, because of the good news that God has sent someone for us. And with the challenges and the struggle that we, that we try to ignore, that, we, that, we, that become part of our life, it's always been like it's normal for us to be fearful and to be afraid. That's become a regular part of our life. Well, well, in Christ, in Christmas, what if the story of Christmas tells us you no longer have to be that? You no longer have to be afraid because of this one who was sent for you, who is Savior, who is Christ, and who is Lord. I mean, that's the truth that the scripture presents to us. You know, when, when my kids were young, I mean, who's, who's afraid of the dark? I mean, darkness has a fear associated with it, doesn't it? I mean, isn't, there's something unsettling about the dark. Have you, anybody here ever afraid of the dark? It's all right, dads, that you're with your sons. You can put up your hand. It's okay. It's all right. I'm with you. Oh, when my kids were young, it was, you know, we were trying to teach them to sleep in their own rooms. So uh, we had, you know, I said, this is mommy and daddy's bed over here. This, this is our bed. And this is the really nice bed that we bought for you. It's over there. This is mommy and daddy's bed. This is your bed. So inevitably, my, my kids would come and, and, and you know, with, with sad, uh, droopy faces and, and, and sad eyes and heads bowed, they'd be like, but, but dad, it's, it's too dark in my room. So I would go and I said, okay, if that's, that's the issue, I can fix that. Went to Lowe's, picked up some nightlights, plugged them in. Man, it was great for like two days. And, and then they would come back and be, but, but Daddy, it's, the hallway is really, really dark, and I'm afraid. All right, fine, John. Back to Lowe's, pick up some more nightlights. And I now began to strategically place nightlights all around the house, and the house became so lit that I, like, it, was, it was daytime and at night. I couldn't sleep. But I would look at my daughter and seriously say, do not be afraid. With just a little light, the darkness runs. And in the Christmas story, it is no small thing that Joseph, Mary, Zacharias, the shepherds, all heard those same words. Do not be afraid. And ultimately, the, the, the reality of the situation that they're dealing with, ultimately, not to be afraid because the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, is here. That's the reality, to not be afraid for that reason. And in the gospel say, well, well, this one, this baby who has come, he is the light of the world. And the scripture, in the gospel of John, John would tell you, man, this light overwhelms, overtakes the darkness. And the darkness could not comprehend it. Jesus' light scattered the darkness. Like the nightlight would make the darkness run. And he swallows up our fear in that way. Because Christmas announces this to us. I mean, this is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. This is the reason why it matters, because Christmas announces to the world that you no longer have to be afraid. The light has come. The hope has arrived. Your salvation is here, so you no longer have to be afraid. That's what Christmas announces to us. There, right there in Luke's gospel, in verses 2 all the way to 14, you have a God who's here. You have a God who's identity. He's not distant. He's not aloof. He's not removed, unmotivated, or uninterested. You have a God who is here. You have a God who's shown up. And, and C.S. Lewis says you have a God who has set foot on enemy territory to deal with our brokenness, to deal with our fear, to take brokenness from us, to take fear from us. You have a God who is here. And this is why we celebrate, friends. 
This is why we, we, we make such a big deal and we throw this celebration because we have a God who's come to us. And that's the joy. That's the peace. We can receive peace. We can receive joy. We can recognize all of those things because of the God who has come to us in Jesus, in Christmas, in this celebration. And that's the news. So when was the last time you received some really good news? I mean, when was the last time that you received news so good that it just like stopped you in your tracks? And maybe, maybe it's, it's the college student that, that, man, after letter, after letter, after letter, you finally get the letter from the school you want, and it's got this scholarship there that you've wanted and prayed for and needed. I mean, maybe, maybe it's the mom and the dad, and they hear, it's a boy, or it's a girl. It's a girl. Hey, I have a daughter, and she's the one that's going to be cooking for me when I get older. Or maybe, maybe it's, Maybe you've been to the doctor more times than you can count. And finally, sitting across the desk from you, he says, and the cancer's gone, you're in remission. I mean, how do you take that news? How do you say, you just want to burst out in celebration at that news, don't you? Well, my friends, the news at Christmas is that you have a God who's come to you. That God's plan has now moved forward, has now unfolded in such a way, very present in this baby, in this person, in this Savior, this Christ, this Lord who's come for you. That's what Christmas announces to us. That's the news. That's the celebration that we're, that we're coming to, that we're here in the middle of. God has seen our plight, and he knows our fear. And now when the shepherds appeared to the angels, I mean, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, the shepherds were frightened, no doubt, because that is a frightening experience, not unlike Mary, not unlike Joseph, not unlike um, the uh, Zacharias as well. It's a frightening experience. But, but in a larger sense, in a more uh, present sense, do not fear, because the Savior, who's Christ, is here. That's why we cannot be afraid. This is why at Christmas we can celebrate and recognize, man, our fear is turned over. Our fear is abolished in the light of Christ. You see that with me. The news is that our brokenness and a fear, all of our brokenness and all of our fear, have met their match. They've met their match in this baby. They've met their match in this one who has come. And now as we circle back around to the news, this one who has come, this Jesus who has come, is not just born for you. See, this time of the year, we concentrate on that, no doubt, but we've got to draw a straight line because this one who was born for you is also the one who's died for you. And this one who's died for you is the one who's been raised for you. His birth leads to his death, and his death then leads to and realizes his resurrection. You see, Christmas really doesn't hold a whole lot, doesn't mean a whole lot without Easter. And Easter really never happens without Christmas. His birth, the two big bookends of our faith, his birth and his resurrection, that is the news that's being delivered on Christmas Day, that this one who is born for you will lead this perfect life, will be the sacrifice that satisfies a just and holy God's wrath on a rebellious and sinful humanity. He will live that life, he will suffer, and he will die for you, and then he will be raised from the dead. That is the gospel. Literally, the gospel in the text means that good news. That is the good news that we celebrate at Christmas. So this morning as we gather with all of the distractions and all of the, the difficulties that you've come with and that you realize are in your life, we have a choice. We have an opportunity. 
For those of us that have been, maybe, maybe you know Jesus and you've recognized Jesus and, and you trust in him for salvation and you've been walking with him for some time. May this rekindle that fire in your heart to turn over your fear to him, to recognize that I no longer have to live in fear. Yeah, these things are still hard, but I trust in Jesus. I trust in this Savior, this Deliverer, this Christ, and this Lord to not only recognize it, but to walk me through it. And, and eventually, over time, he overcomes that as well. But there are those among us that maybe, you know, this is the first time you're confronting these things. This is the first time that you've heard these, th- this language. This is the first time that you're recognizing that this is what Christmas is about. This is what this baby has come to do. This is what the plan of God unfolding before us. Maybe you're coming across this for the first time. I mean, the scriptures would beckon you today. That you would recognize you no longer have to live and hang on to and hold on to and be weighed down by that fear and that anxiety and that difficulty because there's one who's come to you and for you. This baby Jesus, the savior of the world. And you simply need to turn that fear over to him. I mean, what a celebration it would be if we not only today celebrated the birth of the one who's come, the birth of the Savior, but the new birth of someone who would take their fear and trust it in Jesus' hands. So this morning, as we close our time together, let us recognize that, that we celebrate in grand fashion, enjoy all that God has allowed you to enjoy, underpin that, undergird that, with the strength and with the foundation recognizing that it is because of this baby. It is because that this one who's been born to you this day in the city of David is Savior, is Christ, and is Lord. And that celebration not only awakens in us a spiritual revival, but that celebration takes away our fear because we've put our trust in him. Whatever it is that awaits you, whatever it is you are about to walk into in 2017, I promise you, you have a God who's bigger than all of it. You have a God who's bigger than all of your difficulty, all of your pain, all of your fear wrapped into one. And we come together this day to celebrate that. We come together this day to revel in the joy and in the peace and in the celebration that God gives us in his son, Jesus. And this day we can make that decision. So I'm going to ask now if we would close our eyes and bow our heads. And if there's someone here who who wants to be relieved of this fear and relieved of this difficulty and, and the struggle that you have, you can put your faith and your trust in Christ. And this is a celebration for you in that respect. And you can pray with me, and and I would be clear to say that this prayer will not save you. But the confession of your mouth that this baby is Lord, that this Jesus is Lord, and the belief in your heart that this Jesus, this baby has been raised from the dead, that will save you. And it is there and only there that fears are extinguished, that strength is found, that hope is found, and that peace is lived out in this baby, in this Jesus. And you can pray with me now. Lord, I, I mean, I, I struggle with these things. I mean, there's, there's a lot that I'm confused about. There's a lot that's happening, and I, I feel encircled by this. I give you my fear. I ask you to forgive me 
to forgive me from, from what I've done and, and, and how I've lived my life, but I turn that all over to you, Jesus. And I trust in you as the one who came to me and for me. How you've lived for me. How you've died for me. And I believe in that you've resurrected from me. And I thank you for that. And I ask you to save me. And I ask that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out our other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call us at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.